We are now in 1 Timothy. We're still in chapter 6 and verse 9. Let's read it. But those who want to get rich fall into temptations and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Ruin and destruction. He's talking about eternal death, the second death. The words used are marred, destroyed, but it is not annihilated. It seems their spiritual soul, their godliness, if they have any, their image of God, their human souls and spirits, who they are, are twisted, are deformed. That's part of the wrath of God upon the wicked and devils. So this is what he says those who want to be rich, they put themselves in a great trial of themselves. We have a hard enough time resisting the temptations that come to us, so we do not need to make provisions for the flesh. So it appears when Paul is talking about this that he seems to believe, and it's probably true, that for a desire to be rich for a Christian seems to be a negative, as Paul states. Now, if we look over at 1 Corinthians, verse 1, chapter 26, For you see your Christian calling, brothers, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, and not many noble. Well, usually all of those in those states are rich or have the ability to be rich in this world. So you could include uh, wealth in that thing, okay? And he says they're not called. Why? Does God have a disrespect for them? No, it's they are so caught up in the world to come to Christ, they have to give up more of the world. And they can't do that. They don't want to do that. A few of them did it. Paul was a brilliant intellectual. He did it. Moses did it. Abraham did it. So there are some. But most of them, of the world, if they've got excessive rich and nobility and fame, they're not going to give that up for anything. See? So he's warning. If you look at your Christian calling, you don't see many like that. They're in the minority if you have any around you. Now, if we go to Matthew chapter eleven twenty-five, and Jesus said to them, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, but have revealed them to babes. Even so, it seemed good in your sight. The intellectual scribes and Pharisees and priests they never could as a whole understand Jesus. And he said, you'll die in your sins and you won't know me. Because they would have to give up that to know him. He didn't reveal things to them. But the simple people caught on. They caught on very quickly. John the Baptist laid the foundation and prepared them. And so when Jesus came along, they readily received. They didn't have to repent and get right. They got right. But the Pharisees and some of the priests came and wanted John to baptize them because it was popular. And he told him he wouldn't do it. He said, go away and come back when you show me fruits of repentance, not just your appearance. I want to see you turn from your evil and your greed and your covetousness. See, there was no real repentance. So he wasn't going to baptize them. Wouldn't have done them any good. They would just got wet. 
So God hides this from people. He hides spiritual things from the wicked. He's not trying to convince them of things. If they don't come his way, they don't come. And so like the rich young ruler, God required him. Christ said, sell everything. He wouldn't have accepted him keeping a dollar. He said everything because he knew that the rich young ruler was bound by money and loved money. And so he had to give it up. Some people weren't bound that way and they didn't have to give it all up. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, see, he gave half of everything. And he was a wealthy man. And the Lord looked and said to the other people, he's truly a son of Abraham. He didn't say, you got to give me everything. His intention is you have to give everything if the Lord requires it. That's part of the old covenant. You give me what I need when I need it, and I'll give you what you need when you need it. That was part of the Abrahamic covenant. They exchanged gifts and duties. So if we come to the Lord, he said, if you don't love him, and your duty to him, above everything else, you can't be his disciple. Well, there seems to be a lot of professing Christians that aren't really his disciples now, are they? Okay. So not many get saved. And God's no respecter of persons. Even under the laws, you shall not, in the judging, the judges, you shall not respect the person because he's rich, and you shall not favor him because he's poor. You're to give justice in who he is and what he's done, not uh, what he's accomplished in this world, not what abilities and things he's got, because that don't mean nothing to God, okay? Since he's, he's not a respecter of a person. He doesn't care what they got one way or the other. It's what they do with it, which concerns him. So not many of those kind of people are saved. They don't take the call because the true call of the Christian is you put the Lord first. You love the Lord your God above everything else. And that is proven by your obedience, not your confession, not your singing hymns and telling Jesus how wonderful he is and not praising the Lord. He, he doesn't accept that if there is no obedience. Under the old covenant, they sang temple music under Solomon and other people and it was beautiful, but there got to be a time the Lord said, I despise your singing and your music and your instruments to make me sick. He said, because with your lips, you honor me. You sing these beautiful hymns and worship me. He said, but your heart's far from me. So that's what the Lord looks at. Anything we do for him, if there is no obedience, it's vain and empty. The Bible says the sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. The hypocrite, the backslider, still trying to appease God while they do their own thing and live their own life. They're just adding more sin when the day of judgment comes. They're worse. They're better off leaving alone. We found that with Laodicea. He said, I, would you be all the way for me or, or be against me? And because you straddle the fence, I'm going to vomit you out anyway. You're going to be against me whether you like it or not. But see, they were deceived. Uh-huh. And they was deceived over this very matter of money, too. Okay. So these people of the world who are noble and wealthy and mighty and so famous, they have a harder time. But if they give those things up, they get greater rewards. God is fair in all of his dealings. Every idle word the wicked 
do in their life, they're going to answer for. Every good thing a Christian does, it doesn't matter how least it is for another Christian or person, he's, God keeps the records. He rewards the righteous for their good if they're in Christ. And he punishes the wicked for every evil thing they did. Because that's holiness. That's pure justice and judgment. And that's what God is and who he is. So we see then, because they must give up more, you're going to find fewer of them. And as we said, God has no purpose, or they're not special to God because they have these earthly abilities. Those things have no, we call, intrinsic value. In themselves, they're nothing to God. But every human soul has intrinsic value. They're made in the image of God, even though it's marred and they become more wicked. God's nature is benevolent toward them. He wants them to repent. But as they keep sinning and everything, he still has his punishments of wrath, and he remembers what they do. He's not going to forget it. But he doesn't strike them dead. He gives them opportunity. He lets most wicked people live out their lives. He doesn't strike them dead. Well, there are occasions he can do what he pleases, and he has reasons for it, and they deserve whatever they get. Okay? But the love of God, when it says, for God so loved the world, it is benevolence. The world as a whole is wicked. And it says if they continue in their wickedness, the wrath of God remains on them. He's angry with the sinner all day long. See, he looks at them, what they're doing, and it stirs up his anger. But because of his uh, benevolence, he holds it back. He holds it back and says, no, I won't deal with them. I'm going to give them opportunity. But it doesn't mean he likes it, and he doesn't love them affectionately like a lot of people think. They're getting away with something. They're not. The wrath of God and anger is expressed in vengeance. And that's why he's looking at these wicked people, and he knows one day every word they said there will be punishment for if they don't come to the Lord. But during that time, he's being gracious and extra gracious. He's not dealing with them. He's giving them opportunity. So that's the love of God, that people quote that scripture more than anything, and they misunderstand it. The love of God, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. And then you read a few scriptures later, people don't read those. And he who does not believe, and that means obey too, he does not believe on the son. It says the wrath of God remains on him. He's still God's enemy. And God is not pleased with his life or what he's doing. And he's holding back his judgment. But he remembers it. Okay? So that produces the fear of the Lord if you understand things. People should fear the Lord. Most people are going to hell because they will not submit to his way. It is not his pleasure, he said. He finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But he finds pleasure in holiness and justice. And when they are consigned to hell, there is no weeping or remorse by God. They're in outer darkness, totally cut off from any thoughts or things with God. He's the consuming fire to them. And he tells us in Hebrews, serve God reverently with godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. He's quoting Moses in the Old Testament. If you go after other idols, I will consume you as fire. So he's warning uh, the Hebrews. Remember, some of them attempted to go back to the law. 
He was saying, if you go back, you have to trample the blood of Christ and your punishment will be a lot worse at judgment day. So he's telling the Christian, warning him, we're given scriptures of the consequences. If you know the Lord and you rebel and turn against him, your punishment's going to be greater. See, he is just in all of his dealings. He remembers everything. So only in Christ is there real safety, okay? And only in loving and serving the Lord are we safe. And we are kept from the wrath of God, okay? So again, what a person has and their personality, their money, their power has no value to God. He doesn't need it. And people use it and think of it and it makes them eviler. It gives them freedom and liberty to be more sinful. That's what it does if a person's heart is not changed. But we'll see later, Paul did say, if you're rich, speaking to Christians, you better be rich in good works. Because if you're truly a Christian, you're not going to be selfish and greedy and covetousness. And you'll know how to use the money for gifts of giving and hospitality and helping people. But if you don't do that, then it's going to be used to damn you with, and the person's going to come under greater judgments. Okay? That's called stewardship. We're answerable to the Lord for what he's given us in the natural and the spiritual. So being no respecter of a person's power, wealth, or earthly standing, those things in themselves are nothing spiritual to God. So he has an influence of being good to any of those people, and he wanted the wicked, the Pharisees, to come to the Lord. And the scribe, but they didn't. And he had the worst judgments he spoke on them. He called them snakes and vipers and hypocrites. He rarely used that term with any normal sinner. He would tell them if they were sinners, they'd go and sin no more. He forgave if they repented. But he had some hard words to the religious leaders because they were hypocrites and covetous and liars. And they were supposed to represent God. And they made his temple a den of thieves, he said. Okay. Uh -huh. So we see them people with riches and we're talking to Christians now, will and must depend on God. And those who don't have riches as Christians, we in a sense have an advantage because uh, we have to depend on the Lord at times. We have troubles. We have no other means. Many times the rich have means. Their money can do things for them in this world. Can bring on a lot of pleasures, a lot of pride, a lot of covetousness, and they use it. And if the Christian, most Christians that are not rich, they could be covetous and proud just like God looks at the motive. They would be just like them if they had the money, but God in his grace restrains them sometimes and keeps them day to day our daily bread. He doesn't give them too much because they can't be trusted with it. They haven't learned how to be a base and how to abound. They get more money all of a sudden, they don't want to let go of it. And they get arrogant and proud. You see, it's a human nature to do this. Keep up with the Joneses and all of this. And he says it will snare and trap them. They will fall into many temptations. If you've got lots of money, you have lots more temptations available. And you could do a lot of things that people that don't have money 
You could be a greater sinner. You could be more selfish and indulgent. There's many things you could do. Uh -huh. And that's why not many of them can make it into the kingdom. Once they get caught up in these things, they can't give it up. It binds them. Sin binds like a cord. And they don't want to give it up. And then the mind is deceived by demons and lying spirits because they keep doing this. Okay. So the temptation to trust riches and its power is very difficult for Christians who want to be rich. He's warning them. It's a negative. He doesn't give any encouragement. And later on, he'll tell you the few Christians what they're to do and how they're to live, and their eternal life depends on it. He makes it very plain. But if they can handle it, and if they can be obedient and not be caught up in the world, then he gives some people a more an abundance, but we found out it's for liberality. It's not for basically self-indulgence. God doesn't care if you've got a lot of money if you live with moderation. you got a home, you got your car, you got things. But what on earth do you need 10 homes for and seven airplanes and millions of dollars in the bank? You need to examine what Christianity is and you'll find you don't have it because you're not meeting liberality. You're not a steward of the Lord. You're hoarding for yourself. And yes, he's against that, okay? So that's why he's warning you should not desire to be rich. Accept your lot, your contentment. Be content with such things as you have, and if the Lord changes them, good, and if he don't, it's good for you. But many Christians think if I obey the Lord and do this, he's going to make me wealthy. Well, that's a lying spirit. Demon can make you wealthy if it binds you to this world. Uh-huh. So the misconception is they're not spiritual. They're not godly and content. They're still striving the same as the world does. They will not be submissive to the will of God in whatever providence he places them. Some things he moves us out of, some things he doesn't. And that's why we take up the cross daily, because some of these things we want, he doesn't want. And some things he wants, we don't want, and he has to bring us into submission. He has to remind us, you're mine. You're bought with a price. You're a servant and a slave. And you got to remember that daily, that when your will crosses God's, you go to the cross. And see, if people can't realize that, they're not going to make it into the kingdom, okay? So it is a snare, a trap, to love riches and trust them and not the Lord. Many foolish and harmful desires come to them, okay? The love of life in this world. And did not Jesus say, if you find your life, you're going to lose it? People, all of these prosperity people are seeking happiness in this world. It's not guaranteed. It's flighty. God is not that interested in our earthly happiness as he is our earthly holiness. For without holiness, you're not going to see the Lord. But you can have a lot of riches and things and be happy in this world. But joy is a spiritual thing. Happiness is an earthly thing. Uh -huh. So those who would be rich, because they want to be happy. They want to run their own life. They don't really want to submit to the Lord. They've got, if you have money and power, you do what you want to do. You don't have to answer to most people.
That's the danger of the carnal nature. Many foolish and harmful desires, the abundance to spend on self-indulgence, the abundance to be coveting and materialistic instead of being spiritual. See, that's the danger of it. And many people who think they can do that, and they'll always tell you, well, as long as you please the Lord. But you're not pleasing the Lord if that's where your mind and heart is on earthly things. See, that's what he's trying to tell you. And many professing Christians, they got lots of money, and they give tithes and offerings. But in many cases, the Lord would rather them keep the tithe and him take the rest of it to prove that it's his. They're mere stewards. And how can you be a good steward to die with a half a billion dollars? And many of these well-known evangelists have millions and millions, and they die with it. How can that be? How come it wasn't used for the kingdom's sake and the Lord's? It was for security. That's why it's in the bank. They trust in their riches. They can't give them up. But they try to bargain with God. And they try to give him this and give him that. They don't move God in the least. They deceive themselves. He sees the truth. So we fall into many harmful lusts that drown men and destruction into evil. Okay. They the rich then, if you get too many riches, you have many pleasures and vices, and they ultimately lead to ruin and spiritual destruction. As Paul said, he warned against covetousness, tied up to the world, materialism, things of this earth, things. And he said what? He said I want you to know that a covetous person is an idolatra. Oh, he makes it very plain. It means he worships money and its power more than it's God. He loves money. Oh, he'll twist it and say he doesn't, but his actions prove he does. And then Paul makes it very plain. And you know, he said, know this. That's the translation that a covetous person is an idolater. And then he adds there, and this is Paul, the man of grace, and you know that no idolater has eternal life. Oh, he's striking it home now. So your greed and prosperity and all of this for the world and for your life here, Paul says it's idolatry, and you will not make it into the kingdom, okay? He doesn't argue how many times you say you were born again or what visions you had or how you are prospering. You know, mention that. He names certain sins and he says if they're your habit and your lifestyle, you will not make it into the kingdom of God. Makes it very plain. So a profession without possession is vain. Passive faith is vain. Most professing Christians have passive faith. They believe doctrines and things about Christ. They believe he's the Christ, but they don't follow him or do God's will. And the majority of them, the Lord will cast them into hell after he judges them, and they go talk about all the good things they did. He says, you didn't do the will of my father. You're cursed. You're wicked. You're lawless. So they thought they could pacify him with their religiosity. And he told most of them, I never knew you. You were never a real Christian. You just had religion. Uh-huh. And they thought that would do. And they wanted it to do. Because the conscience of man sometimes can fall, even wicked people can get guilty. 
and they do things that I know are selfish, and then they try to do some good and give some money and do this and that, and they think, well, this will help, you know, later on the day of judgment. won't help a bit. It will add sin and punishment to that person because the sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. It means he despises it. He doesn't receive it, and he punishes it. See, they don't get that part, the people of the world. Okay, so not seeking God's will and provisions, but doing your own pleasures. This is what money can do for you. Now, we have a proof of this. Let's go to Revelation chapter 3, 17. He's talking to Laodicea. He's quoting them. Jesus says, because you say, I am rich and have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing. Oh, he's telling you what happens when professing Christians or Christians start to look at the wealth and the money and the materialism. They don't think they need anything. They don't have to trust. They can do what they want to because they got money. Many situations they find themselves in, they don't ask God anything or his opinion. They buy it out. They do what they want. Well, the poor and the average Christian has to depend on the Lord and his provisions and his providence. Because God says no to a lot of earthly things. He's not interested in certain things. Our human nature is interested in it. But again, if God's not interested in it, you have to die to it. You die to your will. That's taking up the cross daily that Paul's talking about. If you can't do that, you can't be a Christian. Very plain and simple. Okay. And then he said, Jesus, after they told him, I'm rich and have need of nothing, he said, and do you not know, which they did not, he's telling them now, that you are wretched, that's spiritually, you're miserable, you're poor spiritually, you're blind, you can't see spiritual things, and you're naked, you're shameful, you don't have the righteousness of Christ clothing you. In other words, you're lost. Uh huh. He's telling them that. But they were saying, I have need of nothing. So you can see what the riches did to them. It deceived them, caused them, and let the demons cause them to believe lies. I have become rich and wealthy. I have need of nothing. And by the way, I don't need God in these matters. I'll take care of myself. See, that's what they're saying. They forget stewardship and responsibility. God owns everybody, the Christian, the non-Christian. Everybody's under his control, directly or indirectly. He owns the devil. He uses him to accomplish his purposes for the wicked. God's a great economist. He doesn't waste anything. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing everybody better realize who they're going to answer to. God said in the Old Testament, people never quote that scripture. It said, God will turn in, in hell. He said, I'll turn into hell all of those who forget me. Ah, why? Because he's a jealous God. And he created things for his purposes, his pleasure, and he expects them to conform. That's his, what we owe him and who he is as the creator. And he said, but if you forget God, like the Laodiceans were doing, we have need of nothing. You don't. You don't have God. You're wicked. You're naked. And you don't even see it because the demons have deceived you because of your sin. 
but they were content. They were happy in this world. So riches and power can bring happiness. Happiness is fleeting, like I say. And Jesus said, if you find your life, that means you have found happiness in this world. He said, you will lose it eternally because you're living for yourself and the devil. And you don't understand you have obligations to God. Oh, I've heard people and I counsel them. Well, I don't know why God bothers me. I don't do anything real bad. I said, you do a wonderful, horrible sin. You don't submit to God and you're his. Well, I'd just rather be left alone. I said, you will. In hell, in outer darkness, you could be left alone. See, they look at these things and they don't think they're that bad. Two people didn't look bad at all, and yet they got consigned to outer darkness. The foolish virgins, they slept. They forgot their spiritual duty. That means they were Christians, and they slept. That's a sign of sin. They got lazy. The Holy Spirit wasn't guiding them. They let the lamp burn out. And then when the master came, they tried to get ready, and it was no time to get ready. And then when they come knocking at the door, he didn't say to them what he does to most Christians of the world, I never knew you. He tells them, I don't know you. He knew them at one time, but he don't know them anymore. They were backslidden. Uh And it didn't say they did any major horrible sin. They didn't murder people. They didn't rob and rape. They just didn't serve the Lord, and that was required of them. The guy who buries the one talent didn't say he did anything horrible. He simply buried it and thought, well, when the master comes, I'll give him this, and I don't have to answer, because his conception was partially wrong and partially right. And he said, I didn't do it because I knew you were hard. You expect things. And God does. But God doesn't expect what he doesn't help a person do. And so he's using his excuse. Instead of working and doing what he should with that talent, he blames the Lord. Well, I knew you were a hard person, so I'm just going to give you your money back. And he said, you wicked servant. And he took that from him and gave it to others. He said, and cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. He wasn't a murderer. He wasn't a thief. He may not even been covetous. He just didn't understand his duty to God. He forgot God and what God required. And he purposely did it. So he figured, I'll blame the Lord and he won't get on me. Because I know you're hard, Lord. Well, the way is hard for the backslider. The way is hard sometimes for the Christian. The way is narrow. And few there be to find it. But we're given grace as Christians to fight these things. The sinner don't want grace. He wants to be happy in this world. But a part of him is afraid of judgment because he has a spiritual side and it makes him uncomfortable, his conscience. So he has to harden it or sear it when God gave it to him to keep him basically a morally good person. Uh All the wicked of the world, they know it's wrong to kill people and rob and steal and rape. Nobody has to teach them that. They just don't want to do it. So they deceive themselves. He said, you're naked. That means you're spiritual, shameful, and you don't have the righteousness of Christ. Yeah. They call naked. 
and they'll stand before the Lord shameful and wicked, and their spirits will understand these things at the last minute. So this is all spiritual ruin and destruction where it leads. Now let's go to Second Peter chapter 2, verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words, with deceptive words. And many will follow up before their destructive ways because they'll not endure a sound teaching. Many of these will be for passing Christians, most of them, and some real Christians that fall away or apart from the faith. He says, and false teachers will come and deceive them, and they want it. They want to be lied to. They want teachers. And the teachers have itching ears, he said. It means they're listening. All the person wants to hear about, I'm happy, and no matter what I do, God loves me, and he's going to find a way in heaven for me, and I can live as I please here. See, they want to hear that. They don't want to hear God's wrath is upon them, and they're headed for eternal destruction. See, so they don't want those kind of teachers and preachers. But there's many uh, teachers that make millions because they accommodate rich Christians. (laughs) I use that term loosely. They think they're Christians, and they have influence. Laity, actually, Laodicea means laity rules. (laughs) They have such great, I have need of nothing. I tell the minister what to preach. He conforms and makes me happy. I can go to church and come out feeling great while I'm still in my sins. That's what he's saying. You can imagine what he's going to answer for Okay, so false teachers will encourage and exploit you with lying words, covetous and greed. God wants you healthy, wealthy, and prosperous in this world, and you're a king's kid. Well, you've been lied to. You find no scripture for that. God said most Christians were poor, but rich in faith. Well, how can that be? The prosperity people, that can't be. Yeah, because he's deceived and on his way to hell. Money and power, and here is his God. And the demons convince him that God wants this for you. And so he shuts out any warning, any correction, any reproof. And he feels good, and I have need of nothing. Yeah, until he faces God. Okay. Verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil. Many people misquote this. They say the love of money is the root of all evil, it doesn't say that. It says all sorts of evil, okay? And some, by longing for it, they covet it. They desire it beyond for needs and moderation. They make it the main thing. That's what it means to follow after and long. The words used basically with the children of Israel when he was Given them manna from heaven, they got tired of it, and they lusted. They longed for meat. They didn't want to be humbled or disciplined by God. He told them later. So he got tired of their longing and their coveting. So he gave it to them. And they had meat for a month, I think, or a long time. He said, and you'll eat it till it comes out your teeth and you vomit it. I'm going to let you have it. And then he destroyed the strongest. 
he set a spirit against the most powerful and rich. He showed him this is what happens if you don't want to be humbled and taught by me. And then they complained. Well, when we were in Egypt, when they were in Egypt, they were harsh slaves and treated badly. But you know what they told God? But we miss Egypt because we had our onions and our cucumbers. Can you imagine that? They complained to him about that. Uh Because their nature was evil and refused to follow the Lord. And the Lord told Moses, I've tested them 10 times. They're not going into the land. He cut the whole generation off. He gave them plenty of opportunity to go for them. But like Stephen said to the Pharisees and the priests when they would get ready to stone him, you do always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. He tells them what they are. Okay? So covetous people will not enter heaven. They are being destroyed and marred, and if they knew the Lord, they're cut off from Christ, and they have spiritual death. See, that's where it leads them. So Paul is telling most Christians, be careful. Be careful. Don't desire these excess things because maybe you can't handle what you got. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, I've heard wicked people, well, if I had money, I'd do this. I'd do I've told them, get mad at me. I don't care. They said, well, if I had this, and they, they don't like the rich. I said, you're just like him. You covet money, but you don't have it. He's got it. And you're envious and jealous, or you wouldn't feel that way toward him. Uh-huh. And you say you would give, you're a liar. If you don't give of what you have now, even if you're poor and moderate, you're not going to do much better when you're rich. Or if you do, you're going to try to ease your conscience. And with the rich young ruler, the Lord said, sell everything. And that rich young ruler couldn't have said, well, master, how about if I give 99% and I keep a few hundred thousand for myself. The Lord would have said, no, I can't take you. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a break now.